I'll be reading from Acts 16, verses 30 through 33. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all, uh, all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. Good morning, church. It's great to see each and every one of you here today, especially if you're visiting. We would like to ask that you will stick around a few moments after our services this morning so that we might get to know you and thank you for coming our way today. Many of us returned on Friday evening from Maywood Christian Camp this week. Uh, we probably had 20 or 25, maybe even 30 uh, of our group uh, down there uh, this past week. And for the most part, we had great weather until about Thursday and Friday, and then it turned off hot. But uh, we had a great week. Uh, we were able to see our young people uh, grow spiritually, build new relationships with other uh, young people and Christian young people, and to be influenced by Christian adults. And so I just want to encourage you uh, each summer that you will uh, pray about this camp. Also, if you have young people or grandchildren, that you will encourage them, maybe even pay their way uh, so that they can go and be a part of this camp. And if you're an adult and you want to have a great influence over young people, I want to encourage you to go. We're in need of more adults uh, for this week. Uh, there's a lot of adults from both Henderson uh, Congregation, Ninth Avenue in Haleville, and also the Hamilton Congregation in Hamilton, Alabama, as well as those that we bring. But uh, it's always helpful to have good adults. And so if you would like to go and be a part of that, uh, I can't guarantee you that it will be easy. And I can't guarantee you that you will not be worn out, but I can guarantee this. You will be blessed and you will be rewarded as a result of being there. And so I want to encourage you to do that. I want to thank Ben Coleman and Dakota Jenkins for filling in both while I was on vacation and then Dakota last uh, Sunday evening uh, as we went off to camp. And also, uh, if you were not able to be at our church picnic, uh, Danny Smotherman did a great job uh, speaking for us there. And I, I mentioned these young men uh, to uh, encourage you to encourage them and to continue to pray for all of our young people. But we're thankful for these young men and for their talents and abilities. And we support them and we thank them for their service. I want to encourage you to be praying about Vacation Bible School. I want to encourage you to be inviting uh, those young people in your neighborhood, in your families. Uh, and if you're involved in Vacation Bible School, that you will be here this week as we work uh, toward that. I also want to encourage you for one more thing. I want to encourage you to be here on Wednesday evenings. Uh, I understand that this uh, last week we started off with, uh, on a good note uh, with Brother Ty Rhymes uh, speaking to us. Uh, he's from the Pickwick congregation. And so if you were not able to be here, those are uh, recorded and they will be posted on uh, the media links on our, um, the media links page on our website. So if you were not able to be here, they will be uh, on there. But I want to encourage you, if you can all be here on Wednesday nights, to be here. Uh, one of my friends, Brother R.V. Doopy, uh, who preaches at the Cornerstone Church of Christ in Florence. Uh, got to know him when we were at Florence Boulevard. We worked together, um, and he was a member there. And so he's going to be here this Wednesday night as we think about the theme of building the church God's way, and he's going to talk to us uh, on the idea of worship. So I want to encourage you to be here uh, this Wednesday evening. 
Steve is back with us, and we welcome him back, and we thank him for uh, the service that he has done uh, in Africa, and uh, we're thankful that uh, his trip has gone well, and we're thankful that uh, Miss D was able to go and was able to make it back safely, and we're thankful that Steve is here uh, and has made it back, and we we uh, thank him for this service. And Brother Steve, uh, do you have uh, just a brief report you want to give to us about the work that you did in Nigeria over the last few weeks? No. Okay. All right. Well, we, we are glad that you are here, and uh, we, we spent time praying for you and praying for the work there. And want to encourage you to continue to pray for that work and all the works that we're involved in uh, through our mission work. But I also want to encourage you, not as we think about Steve and pray about Steve and the work in Africa and all of our other mission works, I want to encourage you to think about the mission work that we have here in Savannah. Uh, oftentimes we forget that we have a mission work before us here, and let's consider that. And that's all of us as missionaries reaching out to those around us. Last week we began uh, looking at the idea of uh, our families and families living for the King. And we talked about how the traditional family has changed, and that continues to hold true. And today I want us to uh, have a follow-up on that and, and thinking about what we can do as individual families, individuals but also as families, in leading our families and those around us to Jesus. Go to the next slide, if you will. I want you to notice this pie chart. If you were to take a pie chart like this, and, and throughout that pie chart, you were the list, the things that you spend your time, money, and effort on every day in your life. I want you to imagine in your mind what that pie chart might look like. You see, for all of us, it would look a little different. Because there's different things that we're involved in. But they all would be very similar. And then what I want us to think about this morning as we think about our individual lives, but also as our, we think about our families and what we can do to help our families that will help those around us individually, that will also help our church family. And that's what is placed in the center of that pie chart. You see, if we were to do this pie chart, think about what it would look like, what we spend most of our time and effort on, what is central to our lives. And you see, when we honestly sit down and look at that, sometimes we can see that our life is out of balance. Sometimes we can see that maybe the thing at the center of our life is not the thing that we claim that it is or the thing that we really want it to be. There's a story several years ago of a, a college football coach who after 26 years divorced his wife when he moved to become a coach in the NFL. You see, his, his reasoning for that was, as long as I was a, a college coach, I needed a wife. It was important. Because as I talked with families, uh, and, and I would tell them that their uh, young men would be in good hands in our football program. It was a benefit to me and the football program to have a wife. But when he became an NFL coach, he said it was no benefit to me anymore. It was no benefit to winning. And so he divorced his wife. Isn't that sad? Isn't that tragic 
that that's the way people in the world think about marriage and family. Tom Landry, on the other hand, in contrast to this, the former Dallas Cowboys football coach said this, the thrill of knowing Jesus is the greatest thing that ever happened to me. I think God has put me in a very special place and He expects me to use it to His glory in everything I do. Whether coaching football or talking to the press, I'm always a Christian, he says. Christ is first, family second, and football third. Tom Landry, even though his career may not have ended well with the Dallas Cowboys, he's still held in high esteem because of those values. So what are we to do as, Christian value, as Christians to have those kind of values. Uh, to make sure whatever our family unit makeup is and whatever it looks like, that we have those kind of values. That we set those kind of examples for our families, for uh, around our neighbors and our friends and those we are around at school and work. What are we to do? Well, I think when we look at that pie chart, we focus on what's in the center, and that's Jesus. You see, there are several things I want us to think about this morning that when we place Jesus at the center of our lives individually, at the center of our lives as a family, it makes a difference. Do you remember that phrase coined years ago? As goes the home, so goes the nation. You see, when we have a breakdown in our families, we then have a breakdown in our culture and in our nation. And so what can we do as Christian families to make a difference? We may not be able to necessarily make a, a huge impact in Washington, but we can make a huge impact right here in Savannah, Tennessee. And therefore, that difference in the future could make a difference in Washington and from coast to coast. You see, when we place Jesus at the center of the lives of our families, first of all, Matthew in Matthew chapter 11, turn in your Bibles if you will, Matthew chapter 11, Jesus will remind us there that we will find rest. We will find rest. As Brother Howard and I drove down to Pontotoc, Mississippi uh, yesterday to visit with Miss Beverly and Brandon and Dustin and their families, we talked about this idea about how our families are so worn out because we're so pulled in all many different directions. The demands on families today are great and they wear us out. And Jesus said, listen, if you really want rest, and you see, when we have all these demands, we become tired both spiritually and physically. And Jesus says, if you really want rest, you place me at the center of your life. In the book of Matthew, in chapter 10, we find that Jesus has just called His or sent out His twelve apostles. And in chapter 11, He goes into the town of, town of Galilee to preach and to teach. John the Baptist, in the meantime, sends word to ask Jesus if he was, is he, He's the one that was promised to come. And in Matthew chapter 11, I want you to notice what Jesus said in verses 4 to 6. Send this back to John. Go and tell John. The things which you hear and you see, 
The blind see and the lame walk and the lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. These would have been words of comfort to John while he was in prison. These would have been words to, to tell John, yes, this is the one. And at the end of chapter 11, Jesus shares some words of comfort. That would have been sent to John, that would have been to, to those hearers, and that we can take to heart today. Notice what he said in verses 28 and following. Come to me, all you who, are la he who labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Have you ever felt so tired that you just didn't feel like you were, could keep on going? I read a story yesterday about a lady who was raising a family her and her husband back in the, the time of the Depression, the Great Depression. Her husband wasn't making all that much. And so she would take on jobs, washing clothes, ironing and things like that, all while trying to help raise her family. Her husband uh, became ill and uh, many times had to miss work and he was only making about $18. A month. And as a result, when he couldn't work, that was even less. And one day, she had gotten so tired and so fed up and, and so tired of struggling and so tired of dealing with all the stresses and pains of life that she just decided to give up. I'm tired. And she, so she took her children into the bedroom. And with rags and towels, she stopped up the cracks in the window and she went over to the gas heater and she turned on the gas heater. And her, her daughter, they laid on the bed and her daughter said, Mom, why are we laying in the bed? We, we, just, we just woke up. And she said, it's okay, Connie. We're, we're going to take a nap. And her plan was to just lay there and allow that gas to suck the life out of her and her kids. But in her haste, in her lowliness, she had forgotten to turn the radio off in the other room. And as she lay there in silence, she heard an old hymn playing. Challenging her to give it all to Jesus. And when she heard that hymn, she got up and she opened the windows and she turned off the gas and she, at that moment, thanked God for all that she had. Have you ever been there before? You ever been there and felt like giving up because the world is on your shoulders? She has. Jesus has had the weight of the world on His shoulders and Jesus understands. And Jesus says, lay your burdens down to Me and I will give you 
rest. You see what Satan wants? is Satan wants us to fill our lives with so much stuff, with being involved in so many things, so that we are burdened down, so that we don't have time to think, so that Jesus is not the center of the things going on in our life. He wants to cloud our minds with all the things and all the problems and all the stresses of life. All the decisions that have to be made. He wants to cloud our minds and burden us down with those things. And life is tough. Don't let anybody ever tell you any different that life's not tough. Life is tough. But let, me, let us tell you something through our life that is much better with Jesus. Amen? Remember what happened to Peter in Matthew chapter 14? Do you remember that scene when Jesus, his, his apostles are in the boat on the water and a storm is raging and, and they see someone walking on water. They think it's a ghost and they become afraid. And Jesus tells them, don't be afraid, it's just me. And Peter then says, Lord, if it's you, let me come out on the water. And Jesus says, okay, come. And Peter begins to walk on water. Do you remember in that story that as long as, G, as long as Peter kept his eye focused on Jesus, what he was able to do, he was able to walk on water. But the Bible would say there in Matthew chapter 14, when he noticed the wind and the waves... That's real life. That's real life. I, I know you probably have some wind and some waves from the storms of life in your life. And it's real easy to focus on those. I've been there. But you see, when, when Peter focused on all those things and he took his eyes off of Jesus, the Bible says he began to sink. And Jesus reaches down and He grabs Peter and He said, Oh, you of little faith. You see, that's exactly what, Jesus, or what Satan wants us to do. He wants us to take our eyes off of Jesus. He wants us to see, see the problems that you have. Even if some of these problems have been because of the decisions I've made. We spent all week last week talking about decisions and it was powerful. It was both powerful for our young people and powerful for our adults to think about the decisions that we make and how they affect us. And even if there's some decisions that we've made and they've caused some stresses in our life. Jesus says, don't focus on the problems. Focus on me. Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? He said to Peter. And that's what Satan is doing to our families, even in the church. He's distracting us with so many things. He's weighing us down with so many things, so many problems, so many stresses. And Jesus says, focus on me. When you focus on me, Peter was able to walk on water.
Jesus says, place me at the center of your life. Place me at the center of your family. At the center of the life of your family. I read a book one time that said, think about where you want your children to be 20 years, 30 years down the road. You see, you know when we're raising children, what do we focus on now? Oh, I'm changing a diaper every 20 seconds it seems like. If I could just get some peace and quiet sometimes because they cry and they talk and they're running here and running there. And as they get older, they're wanting money for this and for that and they're driving here and driving there and I have to be worried about their friends and what events they're involved in. And Jesus says, focus on me. Teach your children to focus on me because life is tough. And Satan has no care for their soul except that he wants it. And he wants to make life miserable just like he does with us. And Jesus says, focus on on me and you will find rest. And then the second thing that Jesus says, notice in your Bibles in the book of Matthew chapter 6. Jesus says when we focus on Him and we place Him at the center of our lives, our needs will be met. Brother Ted Burleson, who preaches at the Hamilton Church of Christ, taught the older boys. And one day he presented this, it looked like a pie chart. Uh, just like uh, just like if you would look at the, um, uh, the foods that you're supposed to eat that the Food and Drug Administration passes out. It was a pie chart like that, but it was from those who study psychology. And it listed the needs, the basic psychological needs of human beings. And as he went through that and listed and talked about some of those needs, here's something that was interesting. That he said, when God is not the source or the center of receiving those needs, then we can see why people turn back to sin. Made sense. That when we seek to fulfill our basic needs in all other ways except for the way God told us, Two. Then it creates a, a cycle of returning to that sin. But you see, when we turn and make God and Christ and His Spirit the central focus of our life, then He will meet and give us our basic needs. Why is that? Because He is the Creator. He knows exactly what I need. And He knows exactly when I need it. Maybe you have had some burdens in your life lately. Maybe there's some family needs or some family decisions that have been weighing on your mind and in your, uh, on your heart. Maybe there's some family issues that you've been dealing with and you've been trying to figure out what's going on. By the way, this is extra. It wasn't in my notes. There was an adult counselor at camp this week who's a preacher, and he's in the process of, of moving from one congregation to the other congregation. 
And there were times I could see things were weighing heavy on him. And I'd just many times stop and ask, are you okay? How you doing? But this morning I was thinking there was one thing I failed to do with my brother. Is I failed to sit down and say, can I pray with you? Because he needed rest. And I'm not talking about just physical. He had some concerns on his mind. And he needed rest. Let me challenge you. People in your family, when you know there's something wrong with that's going on, things that's weighing on them, ask them, hey, what's going on? Can I help you? Let me pray with you. When you see people in our church family and their things are weighing heavy on them, talk to them about it. Let me ask them, can I pray with you? It will make all the difference. Maybe you're in those shoes today. We stand here ready and willing. The invitation is not just for those who want to give their life to Jesus. The invitation is also for those who say, you know what, I'm carrying some heavy burdens and I want to lay them down at the throne of God and I want my church family to pray with me because they're weighing heavy on me. Maybe it is you've had some things going on. You Maybe you've had some difficult people in your life or in your family that you've been trying to deal with. And Jesus says, listen, give those to me and I will meet your need. Notice in the book of Matthew chapter 6 how Jesus talks about focusing our life on the things that are most important. He mentions stuff like this. Uh, our love for our enemies. He mentions giving to the needy. He mentions prayer, fasting, and that our treasure should be placed in heaven. And then He goes on to talk about things that we need. He mentions food, clothing, housing, or shelter. And he says, your heavenly Father knows that you need them, but even in that day and time, it seemed that people become, became obsessed with food, clothing, and shelter. On that pyramid chart, psychology said those are the basic needs. Those are foundational. And isn't it interesting, even in those foundational needs, when we, when we take God out of the picture, that it even affects those foundational needs or how we attain them. And Jesus would say about seeking after those things, verse 32, for after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. Several years ago in a survey, I want you to notice on the screen, there was a, uh, people were asked, were asked, if you were to all of a sudden become wealthy, what would you spend that money on first? 31% said I would spend it on a house. 30% said I would spend it on education for kids or self. I would spend it on vacation, 10% said. 9% said a car. 3% said help for kids or family. 2% said for charity. 2% household help. 2% to pay off debt. 2% for a boat. 1% for investments. 1% for clothes or jewelry. 7% for others. Other than maybe including the charity, did you notice the difference? Two percent. And Jesus says, listen, your heavenly Father knows that you need a place to stay. Your heavenly Father knows that you need transportation. 
Heavenly Father knows that you need clothing and you need food and shelter. But He will remind us in verse 33, Seek first Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Young people, there's a great temptation before you. As you search on social media and you watch TV, Satan will say to you, are you hearing me? Satan will say to you, If you don't dress like this and try to have a house like that and a car like that, you are not anything. And you can't be happy unless you have that. Well, there's a basic principle that you need to understand about that. First of all, it takes hard work to get there. Second of all, when that's our only goal, I also read an article the other day that talked about the number of professional athletes who are broke. Millions of dollars made and they are broke. And Jesus has the answer for that. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. God's going to take care of us. God will absolutely meet our needs when we seek Him first. The People's New Testament uh, Commentary said this about this verse. This promise is made that if we seek it first and its righteousness, all earthly wants, needs will be supplied. The condition demands that we seek the kingdom of God first in point of time. Some people, they say, say... Get those things first. And after they've gained that, then serve God. And that's opposite of what God says. Number two, they say, we must make it first in importance. Now I know our time is about up, but if you don't hear anything else, hear this. And this is something that I've been reminded of this week. As we think about decisions. There's no other greater decision that I can ever make in my life than choosing to serve God and make Him the center of my life. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness and God will meet our needs. A third thing Jesus says If we make Him the center of our life, we will find true love. The world is seeking true love. Jesus would say in John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Why? For God didn't send His Son into the world to condemn the world. Church, here's another challenge. When we stand up for things that are godly, you know what the world calls us? They call us bigots. But here's another challenge. How about we remind the world when we stand up for things, not only that those things are wrong, but here's why. 
God loves you so much that because sin entered the world, He sent His Son to the cross to die for you. You want to know what true love is not found in the opposite sex, by the way? It's only found in Jesus Christ. That's true love. And God loves you so much that He's not saying those things are wrong so you can't have fun. He's saying those things are wrong because He knows what you need and He loves you so much that He's willing to provide for those needs so that you can have true peace and so that you can have fun. Amen, Christians? Isn't it fun to be a Christian? That's a challenge. Amen. Thank you. That's a challenge for us, and we need to do that. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. That's how much God loves the world. And Jesus said, by hung on the cross, this is how much God loves the world. Luke chapter 23 and verse 34, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. No wonder in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 44 he said, But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. What a difference that would make if we show the world true love in that way. Contemplate this for a minute. What if it were you that had to give up your life for the world? What if it was your child that you had to give up for the world? I'm going to tell you. You probably think like I do. That if it was my children that I had to give up for the world. I don't think my relationship with Jesus would be very trivial. would all of a sudden become super, super important. Because I would want to honor their memory and their life. And Jesus says, God loved you that much. That's true love. And then finally, when we make Jesus the center of our life, we have direction. No more wandering aimlessly. We have direction. You ever been lost before? Not too much fun, is it? Let's don't be lost spiritually. Let's do not let and allow, without us saying something or sharing the true love of Jesus, our friends, family, neighbors, co-workers, either be lost Jesus said to His apostles, He asked them in John chapter 6, verse 67, Do you also want to go away? You see, many of His disciples were leaving. And He said, Do you also want to go away? And this is what Peter said in verses 68 and 69, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. What a question. To whom shall we go? What a question to ponder and think about and even challenging those around us. Paul is a great example of that. 
Paul, even living a religious life, hear me now, even living a religious life, had the wrong direction until he met Jesus. And then Paul would write to the church at Galatia in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me in the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Paul realized the love, the true love that God had for him. Paul then received his needs met through Jesus Christ. Paul then could receive true rest. And Paul had direction. In Matthew, in, in Acts chapter 16 rather, I want you to notice real quickly this beautiful story of direction. You remember this is where Paul and Silas are in prison and they're uh, singing and they're praying at midnight and then this great earthquake comes and and their chains are loosed and the Philippian jailer is going to kill himself. Verse 29, Then he called for a light, ran in, and fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Now I want you to notice, I want you to notice what this man did. So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and, all, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. What did the Philippian jailer do? He said, there's something missing in my life. And evidently Paul and Silas, they know what that is. And so he didn't go alone. He took his household. He took his household to hear about Jesus because he said, listen, Jesus needs to be at the center of our life. And he took them that same hour of the night and washed their stripes, and immediately he and all his family were baptized. I want you to notice the powerful words of this song on the screen. It's a song, Rain in Me. We sing it a lot, and sometimes we sing songs that we don't think about the words. I want you to think about the, the words of this song. Over all the earth, you reign on high. Every mountain stream, every sunset sky, but my one request, Lord, my only aim is that You reign in me again. Lord, reign in me. Reign in Your power. Over all my dreams in my darkest hour, You are the Lord of all I am. So won't You reign in me again. Over every thought, over every word, may my life reflect the beauty of my Lord. You mean more to me than any earthly thing. So won't You reign in me Again, Lord, reign in me, reign in your power over all my dreams in my darkest hour. You are the Lord of all I am, so won't you reign in me again? Today, let's ask ourselves the question, is Jesus reigning in my life? Is He over every part of my life? My basic needs, my hobbies, my recreation, is He the center of all of that? If not... Let's make him the center. In Berlin, Germany, there's an art gallery with a painting painted by the late Adolf Menzel. But it's only partially finished. 
Because what he intended in this painting was to show Frederick the Great speaking to some of his generals. And so he painted the generals and he painted the background, but he wanted to leave the king last. He even painted with charcoal the outline of what would be Frederick the Great. But he died before he finished. And as the story goes, the statement is made, many Christians come to the end of life without ever having put Christ into the proper place, center, stage. What center stage of your life today? Are you tired spiritually and physically? Find rest in Jesus. Do you have needs that need to be met? Of course we do. How are you meeting those needs? Turn those over to God. Make Jesus the center of those needs and your needs will be met. Are you searching for true love? It's in Jesus. Husbands, let's learn to love Jesus. And Jesus will help us love our wives the way we should. Wives, let's learn to love Jesus and Jesus will help us to learn our husbands like we should. Parents, let's love Jesus like we should and that will help us love our kids like we should. Young people, hello. Let's love Jesus like we should and that will help us to love our parents like we should. And Jesus will give us direction and folks, that will make, no matter what happens the rest of today or tomorrow, that will make all the difference in our lives, in this church, in this community, and in the world. Do you have needs today? We ask that you allow Jesus to meet those as together we stand and sing.